Hello and welcome back to the Rewatch Rewind. My name is Jane and this is the podcast where I count down my top 40 most frequently rewatched movies in a 20-year period. Today I will be discussing number 6 on my list, Shipwrecked Comedy and American Black Market's 2017 film noir parody The Case of the Gilded Lily, directed by William J. Stribling, written by Sean Persaud and Sinead Persaud, and starring Sean Persaud, Sinead Persaud, Sarah Grace Hart, and Mary Kay Wiles. It's 1939 in Los Angeles. Hard-boiled private eye Ford Phillips, Sean Persaud, doesn't touch Hollywood cases until junior ace reporter Fig Weinshine, Sinead Persaud, convinces him to help her childhood friend, starlet Wilhelmina Vanderjetsky, Sarah Grace Hart, find out who is blackmailing her. In my episode about Edgar Allan Poe's murder mystery dinner party, which was number 13 on this list, I discussed how I found and fell in love with the work of shipwrecked comedy. If you haven't listened to or don't remember that episode, to summarize, I had incredibly high expectations for Edgar Allan Poe's murder mystery dinner party, aka Poe Party, that were exceeded in every possible way, and in joining this small but enthusiastic fandom, I finally felt that I had found my people. I was very excited to learn what Shipwreck's next project would be, and I didn't have long to wait. On May 30th, 2017, just under seven months after the Poe Party finale, they shared a teaser poster for the case of the Gilded Lily, which showed silhouettes of the core four, Sarah Grace Hart, Janae Prasad, Sean Prasad, and Mary-Kate Wiles, in a style consistent with film noir. Since one of my favorite things about Poe Party had been the way it reminded me of classic movies, I was ecstatic to see them leaning even more directly into old Hollywood. The Kickstarter campaign launched a week later. Unlike Poe Party, which was an 11-episode series, Gilded Lily would be a short film, and they were only asking for $25,000. It didn't even occur to me to be disappointed that this was going to be so much smaller. I was just excited that Shipwreck was making another project so soon. In some ways, this Kickstarter experience was similar to the Poe Party one. The fun live streams with backers' names on the wall, the character reveals when milestones were reached. But in others, it was very different. For one thing, I had by this point met Shipwrecked and gotten to know many of their fans, so instead of interacting with a bunch of pleasant strangers, these livestreams felt more like hanging out with friends. And for another, they reached their goal in less than a week, whereas Poe Party had taken almost a month, so it felt a lot less stressful, at least from a will-this-get-to-exist perspective. They set a few stretch goals and ended up raising just over $43,000 by the time the campaign ended on June 25th. I pledged a bit more to this project than I had to Poe Party, partly because I felt like I owed them for how much Poe Party had already changed my life, but also, of course, because of how thrilled I was that they were making something else that was related to my interests. The main reason they were making Gilded Lily right then was because they had been invited to premiere a new project at Buffer Festival in Toronto, where they had screened all of Poe Party the year before when only the first nine episodes were up on YouTube. I would have loved to have gone both to see Poe Party and to see Gilda Lily, but it didn't work out. However, Kickstarter backers at the $25 level and up would get access to watch the case of the Gilda Lily soon after Buffer before it was posted publicly, and that was good enough for me. Buffer Festival was only about three months after the Kickstarter ended, so Shipwrecked had a ridiculously short period of time to complete this video that they had originally intended to be about 20 minutes long, but ended up with a runtime nearly twice that. I still don't understand how they did it. 
I know from talking to members of Shipwrecked at the time and from behind-the-scenes content they've released that they were incredibly stressed about things like finding and locking locations, a cast member having to drop out last minute, and of course the budget, but still they managed it. They successfully premiered their 38-minute-long short film at Buffer Festival 2017 and emailed a link to backers a couple weeks later on October 12th. I had a lot of trouble setting my expectations for the case of the Gilded Lily. This group had just made Poe Party, so I knew they were capable of greatness, but I also knew I had no right to expect this to be on the same level as that, since it was always intended to be a much smaller project. I was sure I was going to enjoy it, but I was very curious to see how much. The first thing that struck me after I clicked the early access link was the music. The soundtrack was composed by Dylan Gladhorn, who had also composed the Poe Party soundtrack, which I absolutely should have mentioned in that episode because it is incredible. But the Gilded Lily soundtrack is somehow even better. Shipwrecked had released a video of a song from the short called A Change of Scene in September, written by Gladhorn and performed by Mary-Kate Wiles as lounge singer Vivian Nightingale, a name that had been mentioned in Poe Party. So I already knew that was a bop, but it didn't prepare me for how hard the opening credits music would slap. The theme is so delightfully jazzy that even after nearly six years, I can't sit still when I hear it. That music over the black and white shots of the Hollywood land sign and palm trees was the perfect way to set the scene. And then the opening credits finished and the film itself began. So here's the thing about film noir. In general, I enjoy it. I think it's a fascinating filmmaking style and a very effective technique to tell a certain type of story. And two of my other top 40 most frequently rewatched films, Notorious and Gaslight, are fairly noir-esque. But also, film noir can get very dark. Every November, along with many film lovers on the internet, I celebrate Noirvember, a time to watch and appreciate film noir. In 2015, I actually managed to watch 30 noirs in Noirvember, and by the end of the month, I noticed that it was really getting to me. I was starting to feel a constant, vague sense of unease, dread, and despair. So in every November since then, I've forced myself to consume noirs somewhat more moderately. I must have known that Gilda Lily was going to be more of a parody and not like one of the darker noirs. The group was called Shipwrecked Comedy, after all. But even Poe Party had had some pretty dark moments. I'm sure I expected jokes in the case of the Gilded Lily, but I was utterly floored by just how laugh-out-loud funny the whole darn film was. It wasn't dark at all, at least compared to most noirs or even to Poe Party. There wasn't even any murder. The first time I watched it, I must have missed at least half the jokes because I was still laughing at prior gags. The plot was just as complicated and twisty as most noirs, but that first time I was barely paying attention because, again, too much laughing. Therefore, once I finished it, I naturally had to immediately rewatch it several times to pick up on the jokes and plot points I'd missed, and I was delighted but not at all surprised to find that it held up very well. I don't recall exactly how many times I'd seen it before the link was made public on December 11th, but by the end of 2017, I'd watched it nine times. I then watched it four times in 2018, six times in 2019, five times in 2020, three times in 2021, and four times in 2022. And I still think the jokes are funny. So if you haven't watched it, you absolutely should. It's still available for free on YouTube, link in the show notes, and it's like the length of one episode of a TV show. There are so many different types of humor in this film, and all of them are great. 
There's the whole playing with and making fun of noir tropes aspect, including several instances of characters interrupting each other's voiceovers, a camera rotation into a Dutch angle causing Ford to fall over, and Wilhelmina trying to smoke and drink to fit in but not quite understanding the concept. That last one serves the dual purpose of making fun of the excessive smoking and drinking common in noirs and further developing one of my favorite types of character, the confidently clueless. The case of the Gilded Lily has two of these, Wilhelmina Vanderjetsky, the starlet who's being blackmailed, played by Sarah Grace Hart, and Dash Gunfire, Ford's rival private eye, played by Joey Richter. Wilhelmina's cluelessness mostly makes her happy and charming, whereas Dash's makes him frustrated and annoying, and it's very entertaining to see two such similar yet very different characters in the same project. Basically everything either of them says or does makes me laugh. Then there's also some great physical comedy, mainly from Clayton Ferris as the disgruntled Buster Keaton. Similarly, there is humor with the set and props, like when Cliff Calloway, played by Tom DeTrinis, switches between smoking a cigar and a cigarette in the same scene, depending on who he's talking to, and when Officer Claudette Knickerbocker, played by Joanna Sotomura, is talking to Ford on the phone about how hot she finds Cliff, and it cuts away to Ford putting down the phone and pouring himself a drink, and when we see Claudette again, her office is in complete disarray. And then there are all the hilarious running gags. Like how whenever someone brings up that Wilhelmina's real name is Lily Thomas, Ford has to argue that it should be pronounced Thomas. And how every time the scene changes, after Vivian sings a change of scene the first time, there's a little reprise of her singing about how we're changing the scene. And the way Fig is obsessed with cookies and keeps getting them. I am truly in awe of Sinead Prasad's brilliance in writing a character for herself that requires her to eat lots of cookies. What an iconic move. And then there's the running bit where Ford will pause and stare into the distance dramatically before mentioning the war, much to Fig's confusion until it's finally revealed that the war was a movie he and Claudette acted in when they were children. Another running bit is the bartender Bixby Crane, played by Dante Swain, repeatedly saying his own name unnecessarily and taking things very literally in unexpected ways. This bit was particularly funny to me because my high school band director's name was Parker Bixby, and when we marched in the Tournament of Roses parade, one of the announcers commented, I want to change my name to Parker Bixby. Later, somebody put that on t-shirts, and Mr. Bixby ended up with one. So seeing a character named Bixby, who was obsessed with his own name, made me laugh even harder than it would have if they'd picked any other name for that character. Like in Poe Party, the actors in the case of The Gilded Lily were encouraged to play around, at least as much as their limited production time would allow, which once again resulted in an excellent blooper reel and also some great moments in the film. One of the best is when Wilhelmina's husband, producer Roger Hercrame, played by Gabe Greenspan, comes into the lobby from the Suffering Safari premiere and says, Sweetheart, it's nearly giraffe time, which was improvised. Also, major shout out to the Persauds for their incredible character names and also to Gabe Greenspan who filled in last minute when the original Roger had to drop out of the project. It's kind of mind-boggling that this was the first time Gabe worked with Shipwrecked and that he almost wasn't even in this, since it's hard to imagine their more recent projects without him. Another unscripted moment that I love is when Vivian is telling Fig about an underground gambling ring and says that they meet on Wednesday nights, adding, Tonight. And next Wednesday. And the Wednesday after that. That last part wasn't in the script, but they brought it back again when Fig passes this information on to Claudette, saying, Vivian only knew they meet tonight. And then next week. And the week after that. Basically, it's a weekly thing. And Joanna, not really knowing how to respond to that, just had Claudette go, oh, okay, and move on with her lines, and for some reason that just really tickles me. 
I think the thing I appreciated the most about the case of the Gilded Lily once I stopped laughing long enough to analyze it was that it felt like a typical shipwreck project while also feeling completely different from what they'd done before. The sense of humor felt the same as Poe Party, even though the Gilded Lily gags tended to be on the sillier side. The story was just as well thought out as Poe Party's, but while Poe Party was being released, I was constantly trying to figure out who the murderer was, whereas with Gilded Lily, I didn't even attempt to guess who the blackmailer was, I was too busy laughing. Also, being a short film rather than a series released over 11 weeks, there was much less time for speculation. Of course, the overlapping cast made the projects feel similar, and I particularly enjoyed seeing Ryan W. Garcia, who had played Eddie in Poe Party, show up as an extra in about half the Gilded Lily scenes. This ultimately inspired me to write a rather long and intense fan fiction tying a bunch of shipwreck projects together with the time-traveling ghost of Eddie. Tom DeTrinis's Cliff Calloway seemed about what you'd expect if Oscar Wilde was trying to pretend to be a straight film star. Joey Richter's Dash Gunfire was similar to his Ernest Hemingway in that both were rivals with Sean's character, although Dash is way sillier. And then there's the core four. Sean and Sinead's characters and dynamic were very similar in A Telltale Vlog, Poe Party, and Gilded Lily. Both Poe and Ford are loners who secretly desire friends, and both Lenore and Fig are outgoing and talkative and enjoy winding up Sean's character, who begrudgingly appreciates them despite his best efforts to abhor them. But of course, they are unquestionably different characters, and I think they both did an excellent job of adjusting their mannerisms to make them feel distinct. Mary-Kate and Sarah's characters, on the other hand, are essentially the complete opposite of what they played in Poe Party. Annabelle was sweet and naive and wanted everyone to be happy, whereas Vivian is bitter and jaded and having affairs with four different men in five different states, another great line, and doesn't seem to care about anyone besides herself. Going straight from an ingenue to a femme fatale and absolutely nailing both was an excellent way for Mary-Kate Wiles to demonstrate her incredible acting range. I'd already been a huge fan of her work for over five years at that point, and I was still blown away. Vivian doesn't even get that much screen time, but gah, what MK does with her voice, like, just close your eyes and listen to Annabelle and then listen to Vivian, you can't even tell they're the same person. I feel like this also helps distinguish Edgar and Ford from each other. It's a running theme in most shipwreck projects that Sean's character is super into Mary-Kate's character, although they rarely end up together. And I can't really explain why, but I don't feel like Poe would be particularly into Vivian, nor would Ford be interested in Annabelle. But I could be wrong about that, I don't really understand how sexual or romantic attraction works. Anyway, all that being said, if I had to pick one single favorite aspect of the case of the Gilded Lily, it would have to be Sarah Grace Hart as Wilhelmina Vanderjetsky, mostly because she's absolutely hilarious, but also because she's so different from Emily Dickinson in Poe Party. Emily is forgotten by everyone the second after she introduces herself, whereas Wilhelmina is one of the most famous stars in Hollywood. Emily seems to know what's going on, and I have a theory that she could have figured out the whole thing if people would have just listened to her. Whereas Wilhelmina, bless her, is paying blackmail while also telling everyone what she's being blackmailed for. Also, it's literally just having a stage name. Not really something worth paying $20,000 per week to keep secret, especially if you're just going to tell everyone anyway. But Sarah commits to this character so hard that you never once doubt that Willie would absolutely fall prey to this ridiculous scheme. She's so earnestly oblivious in the most endearing and hilarious way that she's probably my favorite shipwrecked character, and possibly my favorite character in anything ever. What I didn't know at the time was that originally Shipwrecked had planned to follow Poe Party with a whole series featuring these characters, but when they got invited to Buffer they knew they wouldn't have time for all that, so they made the case of the Gilded Lily as kind of a pilot for the Fig and Ford series. 
They did make it clear that they had at least some intentions of continuing the story, with a question mark appearing after the end, and a quick post credit scene with Vivian bursting into Fig and Ford's office and saying, Mr. Phillips, something terrible has happened. After years with no word of what this could be leading to, I had almost given up hope of more from this world. And then, in 2022, Shipwreck launched a Kickstarter for an audio narrative called The Case of the Greater Gatsby, currently coming out weekly on all major podcast platforms, and we're finally getting more, and it is so delightful. Once again, I don't feel like I'm doing a very good job of trying to figure out what's going on, but I am living for the jokes. Classic film noir tended to be relatively sexually explicit for its time, at least as much as it was allowed to be under production codes. In particular, the male protagonist was often led astray by his attraction to the sexy but dangerous femme fatale. The Persauds had said that they were inspired by Who Framed Roger Rabbit, another noir parody which turns these sexy expectations around with a femme fatale-type character who is, if not overtly asexual, certainly ace-coded. She's married to a rabbit, and when asked what the attraction is, she says, and I quote, He makes me laugh. The case of the Gilda Lily finds a different way to put a twist on the femme fatale trope with Vivian Nightingale, who is certainly not ace-coded, but also doesn't seem to be particularly dangerous, at least in the Gilda Lily plot. I don't know where Greater Gatsby is going yet. Vivian is a possible suspect, and Ford is very attracted to her, but she's innocent and nothing bad really comes of her involvement in this story. She has an attitude of, I have no clue how I got mixed up with you clowns, but I'll be fabulous while I'm here, that you have to admire. Really, the only romance in the case of the Gale Lily is the one between Wilhelmina Vanderjetsky and Roger Hercrume, and that one is questionable, to put it mildly. For one thing, Willie lied to Roger about her background to get him to marry her. For another, Roger saw through her ridiculous story but pretended not to, instead blackmailing her to pay off his gambling debts. When Fig and Ford uncover this, instead of being furious with her husband, Wilhelmina is delighted that the blackmailer was just her kind, loving husband who'd never do anything to hurt her. Typically, I'm very much in favor of forgiveness, but in this case, I really don't think Roger deserves it. In a way, this could be seen as illustrating the harms of a matter-normativity, showing that Wilhelmina thinks staying with a blackmailer is preferable to having no husband, but it definitely comes across as her genuinely believing that Roger has done nothing wrong. It's weird, but I love the way this shifts the noir trope of sexy romance gone wrong to be about a couple who was married at the start and has no intention of getting divorced at the end, and involves a woman who bears zero resemblance to a typical femme fatale. Like pretty much every other shipwrecked project, besides Kissing in the Rain, the case of the Gilda Lily is way more focused on platonic relationships than romantic or sexual ones. Even though the crime is related to Roger and Wilhelmina's relationship, it's solved mainly because of Fig's friendship with Wilhelmina, Fig's attempts to befriend Ford, and Ford's friendship with Claudette. I didn't know I was Arrow Ace when this came out, but I certainly appreciated all the non-romantic storylines. And I would argue that Gil Lily does have at least one ace-coded character, although it's not the one who reminds us of Jessica Rabbit, it's Fig Weinshine. She wants to be friends with everyone, but doesn't show any signs of attraction to any of them. And she has this great line in Greater Gatsby when she's describing how Cliff Calloway is a Hollywood heartthrob. He didn't really do it for me, but then again, he wasn't circular with crispy edges and a gooey middle. She's saying that her type is a literal cookie. There's no allosexual explanation for that. My main takeaway from the case of the Gilded Lily back in 2017 was that Poe Party was not a fluke. I had truly stumbled upon an underappreciated group of talented, hardworking geniuses when I found Shipwrecked Comedy, and I was going to keep following and supporting their work from then on, no matter what. 
and I have never regretted doing that for a second. Most of the projects they've made in the years since The Case of the Gilded Lily have been too short to count as movies, but they have all been incredibly delightful. I would highly recommend everything on their YouTube channel, in addition to the Greater Gatsby podcast they're currently releasing. Especially if you enjoy old Hollywood, I'm thoroughly enjoying all the references to actual movies and actors that I love by the fictional characters from the world of Fig and Ford that I also love. Shipwreck keeps telling the exact stories I want to see in here, and I cannot even begin to adequately express how much joy they have brought to my life. I truly hope everyone out there has found or will find a group of artists whose work means as much to them as Shipwrecks does to me. Thank you for listening to me discuss another of my most frequently rewatched movies. Next week, I will enter my top five with the oldest movie on this list, which I also watched 31 times. As always, I will leave you with a quote from that next movie. Always remember that the truth has never hurt any man. And anyway, if it does, I'll go to the hospital with you.